Welcome to episode number 47 of the Unregulated Podcast. I am your co-host, Tom Pyle. <laughs> and I'm Mike McKenna. Well, not much going on again here since our last episode. What do you think? What do you think we want to lead with here? I know what I want to lead with. I want to lead with a correction and an apology. Some time ago, and, and I can't tell you when because the, the person in question didn't tell me when, I, I said on, on this podcast that AXPC, my friends at the American Ex Exploration Petroleum Production Council, were um, not as good at messaging, where every bit is not as good at messaging as API. I don't know what the specific topic was. And the lady who run communicate who runs communications for AXPC. I think that's Liz, right? Right. Wasn't kind enough to tell me. So I went back and I read every single press release, every blog, and every press statement I could find from AXPC over the last uh, year and a half. Um, let me first apologize for being wrong, and let me say I was wrong. They're not as terrible as API. They actually do mention right there on the website that energy is portable and reliable energy is important to people. Um, they mention it again in one other press release at some point in that. I can't remember exactly which press release. So, but they did point out affordable and reliable. So not as terrible as API. That's one. Two is that said, they're not great either. You know, affordable and reliable came up in, like I said, on the website and on one release, not a routine basis. Um, I have no idea whether they're in favor of methane regulation at the federal level or not. Um, and they have no opinion, as best as I can tell, on carbon dioxide taxes or on the infrastructure bill. So um, if we give API an F, and I think it's safe to say we give API an F, I like to think that AXPC is a solid B. Um, and I, again, apologize for um, lumping them in with our friends at the American Petroleum Institute. That's um, thing one. Thing number two is... Well, can I... Oh yeah, sure. Quick comment I'm on sorry, this. this is my apology, but go yeah, ahead. but I I would be happy. We we should I should add that we should have Liz or or Anne on the show if she if they'd like uh, to come on. I made the invitation and it was neither accepted nor rejected. I'm happy to do it again. Um, uh, thing number two, in part of our exchange, the um, the press person in question asked why I would go on a podcast and say something like that, and the answer is this: this podcast is a propaganda free zone. We are not pitching anything. We are not selling anything. We are not beholden to anybody. We are telling the truth as best we understand it. And the truth is ultimately the best remedy for any disease anybody or any group of bodies has. And that's just the way the world is. Um, well, that being said, though, I have stated my preferences for certain things. I, I, I guess it wouldn't be considered a plug since I wasn't getting paid for them. But like I what? did talk up the resort we stayed at in New Mexico, True. if you recall. True, and that was embarrassing when it happened, but <laughs> it's forgivable. And then three, and this is the most important thing, or not the most important thing, it's the second most important thing after the correction and the apology. Um, apparently, we get transcribed. I what? Didn't, I didn't, yeah. So so the text, the text message I got from our friend Liz has what's clearly a transcription of something that I said. Now, I went back through the podcast for the last couple of months, and I couldn't find it. And truthfully, I don't care that much about it. But whoever's transcribing us, first off, thank you. Second off, please send us a copy. And third off, you probably should look into getting a hobby or a life <laughs> no, 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 of no, no. variety. Don't, don't say that last part, because if there is someone transcribing these podcasts, we would benefit greatly in the search engine optimization of them if we were to include the transcript of these episodes. Okay, so then, then send it over. Send it over. Even 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 if you work at the American work at or for the American Petroleum Institute, which I believe is highly likely the only people I could think of with the resources and the interests enough to transcribe. Okay. Anyway, I wanted to get that out of the way, a little bit of housekeeping, and again, invite Liz or Ann to come on and, um, you know. Talk energy. Yeah, man. Talk energy. Okay. Well, speaking of energy. Yes. <laughs> I'm, pretty much there done. Was, I'm pretty much done for this week. I just showed up for that bit. There was a couple of votes this week in the United States Senate uh, that contained some energy provisions. Yeah. Somehow this, somehow this infrastructure bill went from $1.2 to just a trillion. Everybody in the headlines like, yeah, Senate passes trillion dollar uh, infrastructure bill. It's I'm just like, shorter for the, you know, for what? 
for the people who like to be inaccurate yeah, out there. Well, there's a lot of, of that going on. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was okay. So the interesting thing, you want to talk about the vote for a second? Uh, we can go anywhere on this. I, I think we we should probably spend a little time unpacking what's been going on over the last week or so. Okay, so uh, whenever it was last night, night before last, I don't know. Well, yesterday. M- Around eleven Tuesday morning. Sorry, yeah, Tuesday morning. Around eleven ish yeah. is when they had the vote for yeah, the, the the final pass, quote unquote, bipartisan infrastructure package. It was bipartisan. Yeah, but infrastructure is the I should have put the quotes around infrastructure. Uh, but no. uh, I know this because it was the exact same time that Cuomo was giving Resigned. his speech. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was, uh, but well, we, well, that's a, for a separate segment. Well, the funny thing about that is of course, president Biden had a one thirty presser at which he allowed himself to get asked a question about the Cuomo resignation. And he said, yeah, you know, he's done a hell of a job, you know, it's, it, and that's, yeah. you know, at, you know, and then he listed off a bunch of things he'd worked on and then said, yeah, that's what makes it so sad. But of course, everybody just te- teed up on the, yeah, he's done a hell of a job. I'm like, you know, leaving aside anything else, he's done a terrible job oh, as governor. Oh, man. He's been an awful Wait, governor. Wait, let's hold on this. Let's talk about this infrastructure okay. stuff. Okay, infrastructure. And we'll get back to Cuomo because so there's the lots to talk about. the interesting thing about there. infrastructure, I found, I found um, one thing especially interesting. I, at this point, I've talked so much about it, I'm sick of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the interesting thing is we've had we had essentially three real votes on it, right? One was the motion to proceed to debate, one was the motion to proceed to a final passage, and one was the vote on final passage, right? The vote on final passage was sixty-nine to thirty. The vote on the initial motion to proceed to debate was sixty-seven thirty-one or whatever, thirty-two. And then the motion to proceed to a final vote was sixty-eight to thirty, thirty-one, I guess. The interesting thing about that sixty-seven, sixty-eight, sixty-nine votes is they were each a little different. There were about a dozen senators, Republican senators now, who moved around inside those mm-hmm. votes, right? Now, if I was a cynical person, and I'm not, but if I was a cynical person, I would say those guys moved around on those votes so they could at some point tell some constituency- That they were for it. Or against it. Or whatever, against it. Whatever works best for them. Absolutely. The interesting thing is, right, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll make this an example because I talked to one of his staffers recently about this, and she told me that he's going to vote for it was Senator John Cornyn, who in fact voted against it, right? He voted against final passage despite having voted to proceed to final passage, right? Yes. So Senator Cornyn can now tell everybody, hey, I was against it or I was for it. It's bad enough and embarrassing enough that um, Politico even noticed it, right? That people, that there were people, Senator Cornyn, Senator Thune, who think that they're going to be in competition for majority leader at some point. Yes. That, um, I was just about to get there. Go ahead, this go. is a, no, it's completely a jockeying for majority for majority uh, leader. The, yeah. Can I, can I, can you I, please. I, yeah. There's, yes. there's two other things going on here. Right. And I'm going to write about this in my famed monthly note. If I ever get it written this week, Washington times.org. Um, it, 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 wait, is it org or com? Washington times.com. I think it's.com. Yeah, um, sorry. I, the Washington Times. The Washington Times. Just Google um, that. You'll find it. Yeah. Everybody who's going to run for president in 2024 made sure to be knows, squarely against it. Yeah, knows on all three of those yes. votes, yes. right? Yes. Um, the leadership guys moved around on it. Um, and then. Um, I was a squishing that moved around on it, too. I can't remember. Oh, there are, look, the, 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 the mere fact that anybody moved around on it tells you that they're squishy, right? There are about 30 guys who moved No, no, because the. The traditional squishes were solid all the way through, right? Well, I'm, was... I'm talking about the ones who like want to go back and say, you know, I voted oh, to move yeah, Roger... along, but yeah, Roger Wicker, right? Roger Wicker, who's the who's the ranking Republican on Senate Commerce, Science, and Transportation, which actually had some jurisdiction over this bill, voted no on both motions to proceed and yes on final passage, which is crazy, right? Um, but that's our boy Senator Wicker. The, the other thing I was going to say that struck me is is that the the core of the yes votes on this were um, they fell into three categories, right? Retirees, guys who have faced the voters for the last time, right? And those are guys who are either obviously in publicly like retired, Roy. like Portman or Senator, Senator Blunt. Blunt, but it's also guys who who just won, 
their seats, right? Tom Tillis. They've got five years. Tom Tillis they... is not going to run again, right? Right. Senator McConnell is probably not going to run again, right? right. Um, and then the Never Trumpers, right? Murkowski, Collins, that crew. Romney. Um, and then there were the really incomprehensible votes like Bill Cassidy, you know, uh, Kelly. Kelly R. We're not using last names. We probably shouldn't be using last names, should we, without their permission? <laughs> no. <laughs> Kelly R. is a is a listener to this program, and I asked her yesterday. I'm like, "What should we talk about?" She goes, "You should explain why um, Bill Cassidy voted for something that hoses chemical companies in Louisiana worse than anybody else. He voted to restore the Superfund tax." And you know, I have no idea. I really don't. And I bet you Bill Cassidy doesn't have any idea either. All I know is that. He detoured on a Sunday show to point out that if he was the governor of Florida, he would impose a mask mandate. Yes, thanks. Which I was just like, okay. So um, confirm everything I think about you, Senator. Um, it is an interesting vote pattern. We're going to write something about it. We'll talk a little bit more about it. But but I um, even I was surprised by how – I don't want to use the word how, – how carefully everybody – um, threaded the needles they were about, they were threading. How about if I say it? Yeah, I, do, I don't feel like this works very well anymore. It's just in the old days, you could kind of get away with this kind of stuff, but there's just too many people kind of watching this stuff. And, and there, there are, yeah, man, there's enough people like us who understand how this stuff works and sit around and talk about it. And then maybe a hundred people listen and they, Oh, okay. I got that stuff. Now multiply that by however many, these games, these little parlor games that these guys play, they just don't fly anymore, right? No, it's like, I, just get in there, do what you do. I, it, it's better. It's better just to take straight votes and take your take your medicine one way or the yeah, other. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with McConnell. Everyone thinks, oh, this is his way of of you know. I got a theory. Trying to uh, make the case for preserving the filibuster down the road. Maybe he thinks that. Maybe he's been around long enough to think that the Democrats are gonna get too greedy and and blow it up as a result. I don't know what the sort of yeah. you know what his you know chessboard is 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 showing uh, personally. I do I I know I immediately knew what the corn and thune stuff was all about. This is all jockeying for majority, yeah. right? I mean that's exactly what it it's is. It's funny. It took me a second because so, I'm like, okay, that. That that doesn't make any sense to me until somebody pointed out. I'm like, yeah, yeah. The, the, the McConnell thing. So real quick, right? Next up is going to be right. They've already voted the budget resolution out of the Senate, right? So because it's going to go over to the House, and the committees are going to start working on instructions, right? Yeah, the House coming back the week of the twenty third. Twenty third, yes. Danny Hoyer just sent everybody out a note. Sending us, I guess, a week earlier, two two, two weeks, weeks early, which really kind of annoys me because I'm. There's non-zero risk that I might have to be here now. As a practical matter, it's going to take at least a couple of months for the committees to come back with instructions written and all that other stuff. So we're clearly heading for something where this stuff, appropriations, 2022 approves, right? Debt ceiling, all going to come together somewhere in, you know, after Labor Day and before Thanksgiving. Had the occasion to talk to a couple of um, current and former McConnell staffers. I believe that what he's thinking is he's going to use the debt ceiling to um, break up the bucket, the the, um, the reconciliation strategy. That he's going to he's going to make it impossible um, for the Democrats to get the fifty in the Senate, or maybe even two hundred eighteen in the House, um, by refusing to play along on debt ceiling. I, I'm I don't know I, I I'm I, I'm susceptible to that explanation. I'm not sure it's going to work. How about if I say it? Yeah. Well, debt ceiling in the past has been. It, it, I mean, yeah. It at in the beginning it was a it was a stopgap and, and a way to extract concessions out of the executive branch. That's been a it's been a long time since that's been the case. I mean, uh, yeah. both of these parties have been in jams to the point where they they basically gave each other a pass on it. Yeah. So we'll see if that works. I do. I do recognize that they are setting the stage for for that. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I know that the administration is nervous because uh, it's interesting. Treasury Secretary has been barking about it. So <laughs> that, maybe that is a strategy. But i i have a I have a strong feeling that the way this is going to play out is that they all voted 
for this thing, this $3.5 trillion, so that the progressives can basically say that they've never advanced their agenda as far yeah. as they have now. Yeah. And the mods went along, so they had their talking point, take some pressure off. Yeah. What's going to end up happening is it's going to get whittled down until they have 50 in the Senate. Yeah, a little price discovery. And then the House is going to eat it. Yeah, I think that's... And the progressives are going to are going to suck it up and go along because they will still have gotten a lot. They will still have gotten a down payment, and it still preserves the ability of the squadron and others to basically say that we would have gotten way more if it wasn't for these squishy moderates I'm running against X or Y or Z. So it's in a lot of ways, it's the best of both worlds for that crowd, right? Because... They can say, look how far we've gotten. We wouldn't have gotten this far without us putting the pressure on. But as you know, the conservatives always get rolled. Yeah. The the progressives or whatever are gonna are gonna get rolled. That's what's gonna happen. We're gonna have a big bill. It's gonna have a lot in it. What I'm worried about most is what they can try to get away with on the policy side. Yeah. Because on the spending side, and you've enlightened me to this, I'm less nervous because as you have said, you can claw it back. Yeah. And as soon as the dynamics change, that's that stuff's going to stop. They know this is their one shot. That's true. And they're going to get everything they can possibly get when they get, as you said, once they get the votes in the Senate, they're going to bring it to the floor. And then Nancy's going to have to deliver. And I suspect that she will. Yeah. Um, I, I, I tend to agree. Um, you know, we, we got some moderates in the House, Democratic moderates, who, as we noted back a month or two ago, you know, wrote a letter to her and said, hey, man, we're not going to be comfortable voting for debt ceiling if we're not on a, some kind of sustainable trajectory. Um, you know, whether those 10 or 12 people are going to be able to stand up and, and do something, I tend to doubt. I, I agree with your I agree with your assessment, I think, in the main. Um, I've been asking people, what do they figure the final number is going to be? Assuming, let's just take the 550, uh, that the 550, $550 billion extra that's in the infrastructure bill. I think we're probably looking at a at a reconciliation all in now, right? Um, all in tax spending um, and spending spending a little bit north of a trillion dollars more, like one point two trillion. So our final number is like one point seven five trillion. Keep in mind that's going to be over ten. So you know we're going to have an opportunity to to peel it back over the years. But yeah, I think that's where we're going, and and I. I probably should start getting some bets now. You know what? Everybody write us with your bet as to what you think the total number is going to be. Like I said, add the 550. On top of whatever uh, they what, add to reconciliation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and, and we'll we'll take the total number. And My the, total are we talking is, extra spending or extra yeah. not pay for it? Because they're going to throw some pay-fors in there, this carbon yeah, border I, deal. Extra. I don't think there's going to be a lot of pay-fors at the end of the day. You think the carbon thing is going to fall out? If we do our jobs, uh, I, I assume. Yeah, I was going to say, if we do our jobs. We, if we and AXPC and API does their job. Oh, wait. Well, sorry. I'm looking forward I'm looking forward to. API to, will, yeah. I'm looking forward to everybody who <laughs> opposes a carbon tax, everybody who understands the criticality of affordable and reliable energy, that a carbon tax is um, terrible and stupid and regressive. I'm looking forward to all of us working together. Um, yes. The... We're putting the band back together. We had um, we had three votes that I thought were interesting on this budget resolution last night. I want to – can I throw some highlights out? Oh, heck yeah. Can you tell me which ones uh, you're referring to? So Barrasso had some weird like – I didn't understand that amendment. The Green New Deal is bad and whatever. everyone voted against it, was, it, for it so that they could say, oh, it's just a sham, right? So that's whatever. It was anything any, – any, here's a simple rule. Anytime any, everybody can vote for an amendment, yeah. you've wasted your time. Yep. Yeah, yeah. um, Senator, Senators approved a 5148 amendment from Tom Carper to establish a, quote, deficit neutral reserve fund related to addressing climate change, which is basically a slush fund. Yeah. Uh, Senator Kramer uh, amendment to prohibit the Biden administration from releasing rules or guidance to ban fracking. Yeah, the backing the ba- that actually picked up like eight. Fifty seven Dem- to forty two. It picked up. Oh, OK, seven Democrats, yeah. Se- eight Democrats. Eight. 
And the, and the ones you would expect, right? The two from Colorado, the two from New Mexico. Yeah. There's a free vote for yeah, that. Pennsylvania. Well, they well. Can't you can't ban fracking. You can do anything. This is America. Yeah. Go ahead. That was going to be one of the votes that I want to talk about. So you got me. Go ahead. All right, a measure limiting who can get a tax break for buying an electric car truck. Means testing. And yeah. which vehicles qualify, proof 5148. Deb Fisher proposed it. Uh, they picked up cinema and mansion. Yeah, the thing that surprised me the there other is, one is it prohibits 40,000. Uh, uh, any cars more than 40,000 from being eligible yeah, yeah, for, yeah. A, for the EV tax credit. I, I well. would have rather. I would have rather just means tested that. I think we probably would have gotten more guys. I agree. Um, you know, the, the, the blurring of that damaged that amendment. Yep. You know, we're going to see all this stuff come back. When, when the instructions come back and the taxes come back, everyone's going to run these amendments again. The interesting amendment and the, the, um, the tough one, right, the one that's going to split the Democrats over and over again is the China amendment, right? That was um, Dan Sullivan. Dan Sullivan. Prohibition on renewable energy projects getting federal funds to purchase materials produced in China. Yeah, we we have a we have a companion coming in the house, right? Um, the the staffer, I want to call it the staffer on that, a guy named uh, Pierce Pierce Wiegard, right? Um, he is Dan's um, staffer on energy and environment, and he is a stud, and he did this, and he's really super smart. And the amendment got ninety votes. Um, it split the democratic caucus and was a really clearly a really painful vote so we're this is a weak spot we've been talking about on this program for a while we're going to keep talking about it because obviously it's really really bad and you know when you think about it how, tough to be in favor of slavery and genocide yeah and yet and yet they still got 10, nine they, they still got nine eight, or ten nine, senators ten, yeah. being you know coming on board for it this is going to be the greatest two months of our lives. We just don't know it yet. <laughs> I don't know about We just that. don't know it yet. I don't know about that, but uh, it's going to be a, a roller coaster for sure. There is no doubt about it. 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 So, look, I, I am impressed. I am impressed. They are they are rolling forward. Um, you know, they, I didn't think they'd get this far. And, unfortunately, every step they get is a, is a, a step in the wrong direction. Well, you know, true. there's only so many... You know, it's like you, you can retreat, but you can only retreat so many times, and That's then right. and then you're done. That's so. right. That's right. The, the uh, interesting thing, to my mind, two other interesting things happened this week. One of them got some notice. One of them didn't, or it happened last week. The tax on uh, large emitters of greenhouse gases, right? Um, the proposed thing from Sheldon Whitehouse and yeah. Brian Schatz and a couple other guys. I like that they just wrote, hey, we're just going to raise $500 billion over 10 years and like so $50 billion a year and work backwards. Like, what do I need to charge who for that money, right? Um, yeah, I got a, a blurb in the Times on that. that. I don't know if you saw that. that. That makes it a lot easier. Yeah, we can talk about that in a second. That makes it a lot easier than talking about a carbon border adjustment mechanism because you talk about a carbon border adjustment mechanism. Even guys like me and you are like, I don't even understand what the hell that means half the time. But all of a sudden, you're talking about energy tax. Like, you're talking about you know, the big guys, right? right. And right. list them and name them. And, and some brainiac said, oh, it's just like Superfund. You can definitely do this. It's it, like CERCLA, it, you know, it, but it's not. It's, it's not. not. It's not, so. and we're not going to let it be, right? And right. then the other thing that happened, well, there's actually two other things that happened. One of them was quiet. One of them was not. Um, Senator Whitehouse, Senator Schantz also put together a methane tax um, bill. Um, eighteen hundred dollars yeah, a ton, right? That's huge. It would it would that's banning fracking. It would basically it would essentially require each pipeline to pay a penalty of about a billion dollars a year to run to operate. No panel no pipeline on in the United States could pay such a thing and stay in business. So it's a it's a kill. And that's why, you know, when I say that you know, certain organizations haven't said anything about methane regulation or been in favor of methane regulation, they've opened the door for that kind of thing. And that's really dangerous. The third thing that happened, sorry, go ahead. No, no, please continue. I was just going to say the other thing that happened is Senator Warren um, announced that she wants to um, do a tax on carried interest. Now, I'm in totally in favor of that because that's going to draw every finance guy in America out of their out of their hiding hole <laughs> and be opposed to this legislation <laughs> instantly. And, and and somebody asked me, like you know, Republican 
uh, you know, Republican staffer in the Senate said, what should we do about that? I'm let like, it happen. You, you let it happen. They got way more muscle than let I did your, in the energy lobby. I didn't say yeah. that. I said, your guy should sign on to that. Yeah. yeah. You guys should sign on to that because, you know, th- what we really want to do is we want that to be in the final, yeah. final package so everybody can shoot torpedoes at it because, you know, carbon tax, carried interest, you're now hitting literally everybody everywhere. That's why none of this stuff's going to get paid for. Because at some point they're going to be like, "Forget it. We're just like, we're making ourselves targets." Well, what I was going to say is is that you've got to hand it to these guys. They go bold, yeah, man. Right? They always go bold, and they always move the goalpost as a result. Right? Yeah. I mean, we argue using their language. We we adapt their words. Everyone, we're even calling it the bipartisan infrastructure package, right? Like whatever. But five years ago, nobody. Well, now it's getting longer than that. Maybe eight years ago, nobody would in 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 America. Nobody debating these things. Nobody on a podcast would ever say that a pipeline project was controversial. Right. You'd be like, you're out of your mind. Right. It's the safest way to transport this stuff. We've been doing it for 50 years. It is now controversial. Right. Countries crisscross with pipelines. They have a goal and they march towards the goal relentlessly all the time. You want a story from the you want a story from the Senate Democratic Policy Lunch? Sure. The one that Biden came to uh, a week ago. Well, he was there, but I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so apparently apparently Biden was talking about, you know, we need to be careful about this top line and we need to keep it under control and we need to pay for some of it because, you know, we could otherwise lose the House and the Senate in 2022. Right? Bernie Sanders gets up. This is a true story. I've got this from a couple of different sources. Bernie Sanders gets up and says, you know what? We're going to lose the House in 2022 and the Senate in 2022 anyway. We might as well get as far as we can go here. And I thought to myself, yes, that is why Bernie Sanders is a great revolutionary because he understands. He's like, eh, this is our shot. Let's take it. And, you know, whatever Republicans going to run in 2024, whatever Republicans going to get nominated in 2024 needs to understand that they need to spend the first six months of their regime rolling this stuff back. Yeah. And then they need to spend the next three and a half years of their regime rolling our stuff forward. And that's it, the part that's missing, right. rolling our stuff forward, because it, it's a it's difficult sometimes to even know what our stuff is. Right. It is. And that's why. And that's why. OK. That's why I look at it. And I think it's going to be difficult to imagine President Trump running again, because I don't think he's I don't think his team has the ability to sort of comprehend okay, I need to go back in and dig out all that reconciliation stuff and what am I going to do moving forward, right? There's no positive agenda. We need, the great thing about this election cycle, not this one, but the 2024 cycle is somebody's going to have to articulate a a positive agenda. Somebody's going to have to figure out how we're going to take ground, how we're going to shrink the scope and size of government, how we're going to minimize its invasion into our lives. How we're going to get back on a, some some kind of some kind of fiscal sanity, right? And how we're going to educate people that you know what, this matters to you. Yeah, we need a governor. We need a governor. I mean, that's what it comes down we to. Need we haven't governor. had a governor in a while. You're, you're right? probably not I mean, wrong. We need a governor because but we're, a good we're one. not grounded. But a good one. We're not ground. We're no longer grounded. This this federalism thing is becoming yeah. like, even you know, I, I'm not thrilled that states are telling municipalities that they have to or, or can't do this or can't do that right these gas bans and stuff like that it, like it, when alabama or georgia or somebody says no actually you can't do that right or or the setback rules and things like that i mean i would much prefer that stuff be managed at that level but we've gotten to the point now where the feds are saying no you can't you know, impose it, and then the the states are now telling the municipalities, yes, you can, or no, you can't, right? And we're we need someone to to sort of reorient. That's right. That's the, right. The levels of government well, again, and and, and reallocate to... the responsibilities. That's right. I hate to say this because we're old guys. We need somebody to preach the old time religion. You know, that's the problem. I mean, you you well. Josh Hawley sent out. I'm on Josh Hawley's list. I'm on everybody's list. Josh Hawley sent out an email asking me for money. Um, this morning, and you know what he, you know what his pitch was. 
there's a paragraph in the in the infrastructure bill about gender identity. Now he's right, there is right that you can't take any money from this bill if you if you discriminate on the basis of my favorite phrase ever, actual or perceived, and then the usual run right, age, sex, gender, race, ethnic origin, all that other stuff, right? So I got to be honest with you, Mike. Actual age, well, we all know what that is. But as far as I'm concerned, my perceived age, I'm only 17. <laughs> well, you're speaking your truth. <laughs> I'm speaking my truth. <laughs> but but it struck me that a United States senator, 2,700 pages, that's what he focused on. Don't get me wrong. It's not that it's not important, but it's not fundamental. Not to this. Yeah, what's fundamental and what's missing is freedom and choice, which they kind of go hand in hand. But like trust, freedom, and choice, the three key things that we we've harped on you've you've gleaned out of all of our all of the focus groups that we've done over the years the polling these proposals take away freedom they take away choice yeah and who do you trust to, to get to stuff spend, done to spend your money who do you trust to spend money right yeah it, and they're losing republicans are losing sight of the of those fundamentals in the in their messaging at least maybe they believe it deep down but we don't hear it that no often. they're chasing they're off chasing they're off chasing social media right they're off chasing you know josh holly's chasing what what his guys think is going to give him the 10 bucks which I, is understandable but crazy in the long run i think that the part of this that isn't being like the, the our stuff, the stuff that we've been talking about is what I think can turn some of this. Yeah. Right. Like, especially on the cars. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, this is, this is a, you know, I just bought a car, a used car. Well, oh my God. Well, it's not really a car. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> the market is horrible for tight, low and middle income families. Yeah. yeah. It's it's not tight. It's horrible. There's no inventory, and and all of it is the prices are going way up, because what inventory there is, people are willing to pay forty percent, thirty percent, twenty percent more markup for a used car, even, and that's pricing people out of the out of the purchasing field. Wait until they ban right. Wait until they ban internal combustion engines. This is a freedom issue. This is a mobility issue. Yeah. The gas prices, right? The the inflationary stuff is real. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's all, I mean, it's all, the elements are all there. Somebody's just got to put it together. Yep. I'm talking to you, Secretary Pompeo. Pay, pay attention. <laughs> uh, okay. So there's a lot more to cover on this, but I think, as you've mentioned, we've talked a lot about. We're going to have two more months to do it. We've so. got uh, we've got some. We should have fissures. A, we should in have the a, Democratic Party that started to open up a little bit. The, the Republicans did okay on on some amendments. All this stuff, of course, can go back now. You can go back and say, Senator X voted for this and Senator Y voted for that. Yada yada. There's something for everybody. But the bottom line is. They're they're moving they're moving forward, and they are yeah. relentlessly moving yeah, forward. The, the one advantage we have, yeah, yeah, it it's um, it's you impressive. Keep saying, oh, this is impossible. There's no way. There's no way. There's no way. Oh, yeah, I, you're right. There is no way. There is no way. But they're going to get something, and it's going to be big. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I I said, look, no matter what happens, it's going to be um, it's going to be bad, right? It's there's no there's no good answer coming here. They the um. What I was going to say is the one thing. The one thing, to your point. Thanks for stealing my lifesavers. The mm-hmm. one thing that um, that we have is they're focused on money, not policy. Well, which means we haven't know, seen any of the policy. That's right. Yet. We haven't seen it. But they're focused. They're... they're focused on money, and that's good, because money is um, fungible, right? Easy to give, easy to take back, easy to just say, yeah, we're not going to give you that. Policy is a little trickier. I'm very interested to see what kind of stuff we're going to get back from the committees because that's going to be fun. And that's pretty much a summation of how sad my life is. (laughs) Okay. The other news yesterday. The Yankees lost. No, that's not news. Okay, there's something that's, else. That's pretty routine. Although they have been, they're making a run at it. They're playing better than the Mets. They're five games ahead of the Mets. Phil Kirpin. They're three out in the wild card. Uh, three in the loss, two in the loss column. Two in the loss column. Because the, the Red Sox have 49 losses. We have 51. 
and the Red Sox are starting to tumble and, and Pl- plummet is the word. You're yes, yes, for. thank plummet, you. Plummet, and they think Chris Sale's going to save them. I'm like, Chris Sale. Chris, that ship has sailed. Chris Sale. Chris Sale. I remember him. <laughs> Didn't he used to pitch for the White Sox and do nothing there? That ship has sailed. But I'm pumped. Ta-da. All right. What happened yesterday? A couple things. Oh, uh, we're going. We're going for the guy from New York. <laughs> yes. Governor Cuomo. Thirteen more days until his reign, you know, his that, tyrannical that, reign, comes to yeah, an honest, end. That's weird as hell to give two weeks notice. You resign, you give two weeks notice. Yeah. Who doesn't clear you out of the mansion right no, away? That makes sense. I, I, he needs a little time. I mean, Nixon resigned on like the seventh and was gone on the eighth. So, um, look, the fact that he's going, I'm going to show you my profound paranoia about the Cuomo family. They never do anything without a plan. Of course. This is a plan. He has something else. Something else is going to happen here. I don't know what it is. He's going to turn around and run for governor or some such thing. Well, at the moment, I think the plan is preservation. Uh, I think that he has literally, he advocated for and signed legislation that lowered the bar so much for this the kind of stuff he's been accused oh, yeah, of. yeah, 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 yeah. That he's in, in you know, salvation mode right now short term but he's got what isn't he grooming one of his sorry for the term grooming there but isn't he like preparing preparing one of his children to be the next oh i have no idea parent to the cuomo reign it you know it it makes me wonder about one thing so hakeem jeffries is a congressman from the bronx uh, brooklyn rather uh hakeem is going to be the next speaker uh, the Democrats have, right? But Speaker Pelosi, this is her last term, right? She's going to be out the door. So win, lose, or draw, Hakeem's going to run the Democrats. The reason why that's important is is because he does not like the progressives. He does not like them. He is an old-school New York clubhouse politician, and he really doesn't like Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez. I have been thinking she's going to primary Senator Schumer, right? I am now wondering if she's not going to go run for that governor's spot. Now, because it's now open, her her opponent would be Tish James, or Tisha James, the Attorney General, um, who put the bullet in in Cuomo. I don't know who would win that. I just know this: I know that Congresswoman Ocasio Cortez sees the holes in the deal in New York in New York State now, right? She's got two, she's got one empty seat, and she's got one guy Schumer that she could probably rub out in a primary. And I, I, you got to know she's thinking about that. So in a way, the governor resigning might have helped Senator Schumer more than it helped anybody else. Um, maybe. Yeah. Who knows, right? Yeah. But I know she's not thinking about staying in 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 the House of Representatives for the rest of her life because that's a that's a sucker's game and a terrible place to spend <laughs> the rest of your life. Okay. So the new governor, the current lieutenant governor, Kathy Hochul. Yeah. Is a Buffalonian. She's all the way down the line. She's a Western New Yorker. This is not the first since Grover, uh, Grover Cleveland, who was Grover Stephen Cleveland. Stephen Grover Cleveland Stephen was Buffalonian. Was a governor one term, and of course a president. And of course the sheriff of Erie County. Don't forget the sheriff of Erie County. Gentleman named Horace White, I believe, from also from the Buffalo area, who was governor for eighty-one days after <laughs> Grover Cleveland. So. <laughs> But it is the first time since Grover Cleveland that somebody, somebody, somebody with, with the Western New York somebody perspective, not from New York City, was the governor, is running the state, and so she's definitely a major upgrade for me, for my family out there. That's the important thing. To you me. guys, you guys finally got one of your own in the chair, so maybe that she'll pay a little. And she still lives in Buffalo, by the way, with her her, her husband who you, who works for Delaware North. Yeah. The big concession deal. Yeah. She still lives in Buffalo. Catholic University Law School. Okay. Syracuse University grad. Everyone's gotta go somewhere, I suppose. Right. So Could, I'm I'm actually this is like a double bonus for for uh for for me because could have been a lot worse sitting in that chair for at least a year. So That's true. I don't think she's gonna run. I don't know if she's gonna run, but I'm glad she's. I'm glad that she's there. She's, 
her house she was a two term i think she beat uh she had the chris lee seat and the collins the chris the chris the collins chris seat? collins seat yeah she had the chris collins didn't seat. he go to jail yeah but she has that had that seat uh while she was here and she voted she she crossed party lines on occasion so she might not be like a she might not be terrible like a hard terrible horrible lefty uh, you so know, the thing about buffalo is it's really the midwest so you get some normal people creeping <sighs> in now am i not allowed to say that I, i'll let it go now we've got one down one down and <laughs> one to go one to go yeah they start voting uh monday the mail out the ballot mail out's monday yep and it's not getting any better for him i, I you know his campaign said that they were expecting president biden to come out and talk i i welcome that i think it'd be great i think it would be terrible i'd rather have liz warren or, or bernie sanders somebody like that so uh, uh one of our uh one of my buddies who who aggregates polling and everything said that there was a uh survey usa yeah um eight two to eight four yeah they're the guys who do the push button thing they're pretty reliable so 50 33 non-affiliated res respondents would vote to remove him from office. Yeah. Certain and likely to vote certainers break 5739 in favor of removal. Likely is 4336 for retention. Yeah. So consistent consistent is yeah that the recall folks are the intensity is much higher Yeah, the I was going to say folks. it 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 which I guess isn't surprising, but it's the fact that the governor has seemed to take no steps to defend himself here. I don't I don't <laughs> So he either knows something or he knows he's toast, right? I mean, you know, we 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 talked about this last week or week before. We talked about this the week before, two weeks ago we talked about this. I'm like, hey, he's got himself about three weeks to get himself righted. He's still probably got himself about a week. But the thing is at the end of next week, people start shifting into labor you day know, you've and been on a campaign where you're going through the motions and you know yeah. the, what the result's going to be yeah that's the other thing right? so it, it, at a certain point you know you start you start getting mail-ins from bad places and you're gonna be like yeah maybe we're in trouble here and by the time you figure out you're in trouble a lot of times it's too late i don't get it i don't get it i really don't get it at all so just a couple more numbers from the survey unvaccinated Overwhelmingly for the recall, 67, Shocker. 27. Shocker. Plurality of vaccinated favor the recall, 47, 43. Um, now, by the way, if you're you're in, a, in one of those two communities, I don't know if you heard Biden talk about that. You're in the unvaccinated community. Um, is there is there some place we could all go? There, <laughs> did he say camps? Did he say camps? You're in the unvaccinated camp or the camps for the unvaccinated? <laughs> That's next. Um a total of 34% said they're voting to recall because of COVID issues. Another 18 said the state's spending is the main reason. And the unemployment compensation issue and his handling of it was a significant reason motivating 12% of yes respondents. Yeah. And lastly. Those are all the small businessmen. 10% said that the French laundry Yay. is the principal reason they support recalling him. Yikes. <laughs> That's painful. So now this poll also said that an unknown real estate broker by the name of Kevin Pafra, one of the few Democrats on the ballot, yeah. leads the candidate group with 27% support to elders 20 to Larry elders 23%. Fine. So the Dems voting to recall are voting for, this are voting for the Dem according yeah. according to this yeah, survey. That, that's not the way the world's going to work. No, but that but that number if that's accurate or even remotely accurate is well, it also means another this. mistake that the Democrats made because they did not put a prominent them they did, their strategy was yeah, silent on the replacement focus on on the recall to save gavin which means they don't have anybody no, on the on the second you question can't, can't right really, you can't really no he can't but can't. somebody could have yeah maybe but so as a practical matter uh, i anyway i'm gonna we're, I, I, we're, we're gonna we'll, need, I will find the survey and throw it in the we're show gonna notes. need another week before we can call this race 
but we're getting close here. And so if, so, okay, I know I shouldn't be like. You're trying to get, you're trying not to get excited. I'm trying not to get excited. You shouldn't get excited. Man, if, if these guys, the, the New Yorker and the Californian, I mean, they are responsible for some of the worst pro, basically pro poverty policies that this country has ever seen. Uh, between the green crap on both ends of the coast, um, all the other stuff going on, the the homelessness problem in California, the disparity between rich and poor in California, and, and increasingly urban, urban, rural, rich and poor in New York State. These guys are, I mean, Gavin inherited a lot of it and accelerated a lot of it, but Cuomo has been governor for damn near a million years, twelve years, yeah, a million years. It's been ten, I think, ten and a half. Yeah, I agree. The interesting thing, the interesting thing, and you know, nobody's voted in New York City in New York yet, right? So who knows? Um, you know, come to me when Lee Zeldin beats Tish James, then I'll be like, okay, we're you know, something happened. Or truthfully, when Glenn Youngkin beats Terry McAuliffe right in Virginia, that'll be a that'll be a moment too, where Democrats will be like, oops, maybe we need to do something else here. The thing about California, I hate to draw trend lines here, right? But last year. Um, we had those two ballot initiatives that that failed, right? I um, guess. Yeah, the, the the gig economy and the um, uh, business property tax, right? Okay, you're not talking about the gas tax uh, rollback. Uh, uh, the gas tax, you know, you want to throw that in there? I'll throw that in there. And it made me think that, you know, California was ripe for something, right? Like we could, we could, Republicans could go back in and try to win something in California, right? Maybe this is that. Right. You wind up with Larry Elder as governor. Maybe that gives you an opportunity to, to recast the party a little bit, emphasize libertarianism, stuff that's going to work in California, right? Emphasize education, libertarianism. Yeah. I don't say busting up the unions, but busting up the unions, right? Because there's no less Californian well, I mean, that organization. Is what put, that is what sent Schwarzenegger down a slippery slope is he actually tried to take yeah. on the unions, got – Crushed, crushed. Turn around, and panic, and hired Gray Davis as chief of staff. Yeah, and and you know Gina McCarthy and all that other good, you know, awful stuff. And and then we ended up with yeah, you know. Well, I mean, you know, you get what you pay for, right? Schwarzenegger was a mistake right from the get go. It it. But again, ironic. You know, Republicans. Another are recall. Sniffers. Another governor, Democrat governor, black brownouts. You know, rolling blackouts, whatever. It's like a, it's a California's not a particularly well managed state. Yeah. Okay. I can give you various metrics on that, but the only other thing that would make this amazing is if they somehow figured out a way to get Whitmer. Who? I don't. I don't think they can recall Michigan. I don't, I don't think care about a recall her. Recall in Michigan. So I'm more interested in Jay Inslee. But <laughs> Jay, there's nothing <laughs> wrong with Jay. The thing is, is the the worst part about this is, is he may get off scot free for killing all those senior citizens. Jay? No, Cuomo. Maybe. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. All right. Um. One more. One more. Um. Talk about one more governor. My favorite governor. Christy Nome. No. The, the Florida guy, Governor DeSantis, getting hammered all left and right. Yeah. Had a little tete a tete with Joe Biden. I don't know if you caught any of that. <laughs> I- I caught some of it, yeah. Uh, I'll just play the two. Uh, <laughs> the I'll play the volley and the response uh, in both instances as as a little mini mini mashup here. Florida governor's resistance to stricter COVID protocols has also led to a dispute with President Biden. But you aren't going to help at least get out of the way. If you're coming after the rights of parents in Florida, I'm standing in your way. I'm not surprised that that Biden doesn't remember me. Um, I guess the question is, is what else has he forgotten? So we're we're getting the matchup here. We're getting a little preview of the matchup. Now, you say Biden's not running again, but if he is running again, this is the matchup, right? Yeah. Yeah. This is the bad thing about not having a New Yorker in there, right? You know, DeSantis kind of went the long way around the barn on the insult. The correct answer when he said, you know, who? Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised that old guy can't remember anybody's name. You know, <laughs> no. then what else can he remember? You know, boom, go right after him. If it was Trump, you know, you know, darn well, President Trump would be like, I'm not amazed. I'm not surprised he doesn't know my name. He can't even remember his own name half the time. <laughs> you know, boom. It, 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 um, 
Yeah, Trump had the one-liners. I mean, you, there's you, no doubt you about know, it. Biden, President Biden is is he is playing a he is playing a dangerous game that he has no capability of winning. You know, matching wits with mostly anybody. I mean, he, he you know. <laughs> mostly anybody, but especially. I mean, I got a four-year-old granddaughter. I'm pretty sure could take him down. So the media is. I mean, this is how Democrats work in the in general. The, the one that they fear or, or feels like the biggest threat to their agenda. Yeah, the next one up is in the they bucket. They go right after sure. with all with everything they've got. And, man, they do not want this guy on the national scene. It's clear and it's obvious. Yeah. So, you know, I don't understand it, right? Um, I think they were I mean, shocked that he won after what they – the yeah, way that they portrayed him. I get it. I and would... he's only – gotten stronger ever since yeah i, I mean and thing, by the way i just came back from florida so i am currently a super spreader if thanks yeah, for, I just thanks for, you thanks for sharing that, so. yeah I, I mean i i get what you're saying and i you know they they do right they pick out people and target them i'm not sure i'd be more afraid of this guy than anybody else i mean there's five or six republicans who probably beat the president right now i understand but i think he's yeah he's I the most obvious one and the uh, thing he, is like i said President Biden needs to be careful because engaging in this kind of thing, and, I, and I've said this before, and I will say it again, he's been an instigator for his entire life. He's been an instigator. The difference here is- He's he lost a few steps. Is it right? Yeah. You're a little slower. You drop that left. Somebody's going to yeah. tag you right on the nose yeah. and put you yeah. down for the count. Yeah. And then just a matter of time. And then you're, of course, you know, picking on an old man, but whatever. I don't think anybody cares about that anymore. Yeah. You're living in an America that stopped existing about 80 years ago. Uh, Mike Carey has won the Republican primary for a vacant House seat south of Columbus, vaulting to the top of a crowded special Vaulting to the top of former President Donald Trump. Vaulting to the top of people who are going this to become from Politico. incredibly obscure first-term congressmen <laughs> shortly. <laughs> Quick, name me all the rookie congressmen. And uh, the Steve Stivers-backed candidate, Loray, came a, a distant second. Yeah. So... Yeah, well, that's not a huge surprise. I mean, yeah. if you had a Trump pick put a lot of money into this. If you had too. a pick between Steve Stivers and President Trump, who would you pick? Yeah. So Kerry, uh, who labeled himself an outsider. Does anybody label themselves an insider anymore? <laughs> of course, he's been a coal obvious for a very long time, and, uh, and worked for our guy, good friend uh, who God rest his soul. If this guy isn't so, a swamp creature, nobody's a swamp creature. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. I'm an anyway, outsider. I like him. He's, you know, he's fine. He's fine I like every, guys, so. I like everybody, but I don't, yes, I don't, do. I don't, as we, as we started the, as we started the podcast by saying, this is a propaganda free zone and that's pure propaganda that he's an outsider. <laughs> Come on. Okay. Um, Jen Saki, Circleback doesn't think that Rocky parents said. should make decisions for their children. No Democrat does. Uh, let's uh, play run one from her. This is a little old now. I think this is over a week old. It'll last. She'll say it again. Whether it's the child tax credit or uh, benefits that are going to schools that are spread out over the course of a year, because we are still in a recovery. Back to school question. Florida's Governor DeSantis says that he may start withholding funds from school districts that don't let parents opt out of policies that require masks in the classroom. Does the president think that parents should have that kind of power? Well, I, I think I've spoken to this a few times, but I will say, as a parent myself of two young children, uh, that I want public health officials to make decisions about how to keep my kids safe, not politicians. And not only is Governor DeSantis not abiding by public health decisions, he's fundraising off of this. So my view is that, and our view as an administration, is that uh, teacher parents in Florida uh, parents across the country should have the ability and the knowledge that their kids are going to school and they're in safe environments. That shouldn't be too much to ask. He says that his concern is about harmful emotional, academic, and psychological effects of putting kindergartners in maths for hours at a time. Is there any concern from officials that you guys talked to in your early pre-decisional uh, discussions about that? No, there's not. 
And I will tell you from personal experience, my rising kindergartner told me two days ago she could wear a mask all day and she's just happy to go to camp and go to school. And the objective from all of our public health officials have, has been clearly, and our secretary of education, kids need to be in school. We know there's a mental Im health impact of them not being in school and we should take the mitigation measures needed in order for them to be in school and in the classroom, including masking and including allowing that to be part of a reality in these schools to keep the community. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. So I feel sorry for her rising kindergarten. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that she's a loving mother and is going to do the best by. Her oh, kids. I wasn't saying that. No, I, know. I feel sorry I'm, for that. She feels the way that she feels. Uh, that she's who, happy to wear a mask who, all day. Who in the world knows what that kid feels, right? right. Um, you know, she the kid is probably a skilled politician at this point in her career. She's <laughs> five, but um, yeah. So I had this conversation this morning with a with a member, and I'll I'll tell you how the conversation went. This is a hard thing to say. It's a hard thing to hear, but it's the truth, and that's this. Folks on the left in this country and on the left everywhere believe that children are um, collective property, that they belong to society. Not it takes a village. It takes a village. What that means is um, the parents have nothing to say about this. Right? The village raises the kid, not the parents. Um, every time a politician in the course of my life has ever said, our children, I always stop and, oh, our, I never had any kids with you. The only person I have our children with is me and Chris. It is a terrible thing to think, and it's a terrible thing to acknowledge, and it's a terrible thing to be. But that's the truth of the matter. And I've been in this, like I said last last week, I've been in these fights for 50 years. My whole life, my dad was in these fights. That is the one unmutable, unchangeable fact of the matter that everybody on the left believes that children are held as collective property, not as parental, um, not under parental stewardship. One quick aside, one of our friends is going through this in Mississippi of all places, right? Uh, Mandy G, right? She's down in Oxford. Governor dropped a mask mandate on him. She's trying to fight it. Governor Tate Reeves is pushing back, right? He's, he's hey, and he's giving them a lot of our children and our children and our children. Mm -hmm. And the reality of it is, this is a parental decision. DeSantis is right. I I know we're not going to be talking about this in 2024. I wish we were. And we're going to be. Uh, I mean, I would I would say we'd probably be talking about it in the midterms. We're definitely going to be talking about it next year. For sure. And you know what? Democrats are on the wrong side of it. Yeah, I mean, and 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 she there, just there is one. I mean, you you know you just you just played that thing. She couldn't even start off by saying yes. Parents are the most are the true. people most responsible for their children's health and safety and welfare. Say, having said that, we think they should follow yeah. the guidance of public health. You can't say it. You break, C the, even you start break the rule. Like you, 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 that is that is a trigger. It, it, I, right? I, 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 My wife worked for an organization a little while back that helped kids get kids into college, right? High school kids on the margins, right? The interesting thing about that organization was the people who – there was a mentor component to it, right, yeah. where you had mentors in yeah. town who would like – Mentor. Mentor. And but the they had to commit for the whole four years mm -hmm. or the whole time until this kid got to college and even beyond. Yeah. If they could, because they the one thing these kids need is a long term stable figure in their lives that is on the right path, right? Well their irony is is most of the mentors were libs, right? Like a lot of the mentors and uh, that they were able to, you know, uh, recruit were lefty leaning, right? The donors were all conservatives, Republicans, et cetera. Sure. Why? Because it was a cho it was a, a choice organization. Sure. Because these kids, they're plucking these kids out of out of really lousy situations and getting them planned into private schools. Yeah. Right. And so the lefties wouldn't contribute to the organization, but on the ground they would help. They would they would predominantly be the majority of them were the, were the mentors for the yeah. for the for the kids. So I just thought think. It's applicable here, right? So, I said this last week. I'll say it again. This is what radicalizes normal people. Yeah, you know the idea that your kids aren't yours. You're not actually responsible for them. The state is they're they're the states, and we know what's best. And you should just sit there and shut up. And it doesn't matter whether it's masks, or critical race theory, or textbooks. It's always the same. Parents become radicalized whenever they deal with with state really federal state or local bureaucracies at a personal level i mean the whole this whole thing is 
it has gotten to the point where it is it is it is it has been absurd for a very long time but now it is beyond absurd like <laughs> this whole like snap back like masks again and like the, these guys could not wait to impose these mask mandates the, there's a lot more going on here there's i'm telling you, you, you know, i agree with you this is part of the objective part of the strategy to sell this garbage oh, yeah, that they're yeah. trying to get oh, through yeah, Capitol absolutely. Hill. But by the way, you know I'm not a COVID warrior, right? I don't really, you know, I, I assume most people are trying to do the right thing. Uh, I agree. I also know, got a lot of survey data, a lot of data data that tells you public health officials are more nervous than most people, which I guess makes sense if you spent your whole life worrying about you know, epidemics raging through people, raging through communities. Any idea what the um, running seven-day death rate averages in, in here in the, in the district we have no we have i have no idea because they no longer cover that because it's probably zero it is in fact the arabic concept known as zero yeah it's yep uh we've had literally no deaths yeah. for nine days and, now. and what's happening in florida oh, i have no idea there are not deaths i'm sure there's no deaths deaths aren't happening deaths aren't happening this is crazy yeah which is why so the building we're in had a little sign that said, hey, wear your masks. You know, Mariel Bowser tells me to wear my mask effective July 29th. I'm a law-abiding citizen for the most part. For the most part, I hear people laughing out there. <laughs> I'm not wearing masks anymore. This is ridiculous, guys. We just got to, at some point, you just got to say, no, I'm not doing, I'm not playing your stupid game. Put the cuffs on me. Take me on down to the precinct. But I'm not playing this stupid game anymore. Amen, brother. Amen. Okay, news today. The White House urges OPEC yeah, yeah. to increase the production of oil <laughs> above the current 400,000 barrel a day uh, the cartel is already producing. Let me read right from the White House. Oh, my God, please. Higher gasoline costs, if left unchecked, risk harming the ongoing global recovery. The price of crude oil has been higher than it was at the end of 2019 before the onset of the pandemic. <laughs> Just I'll put the rest of the statement in. OPEC Plus must do more to support the recovery. Tell them who said it. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan. Yep. There we go, ladies and gentlemen. That is the money part of that quote. It's the most embarrassing thing I think I've seen out of this White House yet. And this is this is a crowd that, you know, is covered up for <laughs> covered up for um, President President Biden, you know, for a second I want to call him President Pajamas, but I'm trying to be respectful. Um, literally, publicly asking OPEC to bump up their quota. Okay, first off, two things. Isn't this? Isn't wait? Is this the existential threat portion? Oh my god! <laughs> of the podcast. Yeah, if 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 anybody had any shame here, uh, I'd I'd call them out. But so that's one. The American seat on OPEC is Saudi Arabia. Usually the way this stuff like this goes is you call them up separately and say something quiet. Like, hey, man, we need to bump the quote up a little bit. And Saudi Arabia says, okay, or go to hell or some something in between. Right? The idea they had to put a statement out tells you they must have had a phone call and the Saudis were like, no. Right? The second thing is this is usually done between the Department of Energy and the oil ministers in Saudi Arabia. It is not done by the National Security Advisor. So you don't think Secretary Jenny could handle this? I don't, you know. I, I, I hesitate to, to draw any conclusions other than it's really embarrassing to have your National Security Advisor in the middle of what's fundamentally an economic thing, right? DOE, National Economic Council. Does anybody over there work? Any of these guys home? I mean, I know they're all working from home. They got their face masks on, so they're all super safe. But somebody must have an idea what they're trying to do. Okay. If I was a Saudi oil minister, I know what I'd say. I know exactly what I'd say. I'd say, you know what? Get your own crews back to work in the Permian. Get your own crews back to work in the San Juan. Approve the Keystone Pipeline. Approve the Keystone Pipeline. Come back to me, and then maybe, yeah, then maybe we'll listen to you. But Look, you know what? They still have not the the since the order from the judge in Louisiana. They still have not lifted one finger to get lease sales going in fact states are now suing because they have not gotten off their butts to do any lease sales Mom, what? this secretary's been asked about it a couple of times and she'll say yeah we're working our way through yeah it. yeah like working your work 
Yeah. Federal judge told you to do. What yeah. do you mean working your way yeah. through it? No, this is. I'm going to try that. By the way, the next time I get pulled over for speeding, the <laughs> guy says, "Do you know how fast you're going?" I'm like, "Yeah, I was going like 75." But you know, I'm working my way through to get into compliance with it. So if you could just let me <laughs> off, I'll keep driving. Uh, this, the this other interesting thing. This the other great. interesting thing about this OPEC thing. There's two other interesting things. One personal, one professional. And it's all. And Austin. Um, sent me an email this morning with exactly this when I said, hey, what should we talk about on the show? She's like, the OPEC thing. It's true. It's, it's embarrassing. I'm like, yes. Yes, it is embarrassing. So that's a personal thing. So thank you, Ann. Uh, uh, I didn't even know she said that. Yeah, so. no, Tom Tom did this all by himself. But We've it's, done, We did a lot of prep for this, it, first, it should this con- podcast. It should concern you greatly that, that you're, you and he are tracking. Um, <laughs> the other thing that, that no one's written about um, and one of our other friends has encouraged me to write about is that OPEC is worried about American production. That, you know, we've been the swing producer now for 10 years, and they, OPEC is super concerned that without American production, if global economy took off, you could wind up with prices at 100 bucks a barrel. Yep. And, you know, the, globe, the, the OPEC guys- They don't want that anymore They want either. prices they want between- 70, They want 70, 85 tops, right? 50 to 80 bucks right, is their right. sweet spot, because that's good for us, and it's good for yep. them. And This is like- Oil prices are – crude prices are – it's the Goldilocks thing, right? Yeah, it's just too high. It helped. It doesn't help us too low. It doesn't help the producers. But that that just – that sweet spot that is just – And, we've been, and just we've been right. the regulator. That's right. We've been the regulator for 10 years. And you know the thing about it is everybody always barks about Americans. Everybody likes having us as the regulator. Of course. Because we're the trustable ones, right? right? Everyone right. knows we're, we're not going to drive anybody The closest thing to a free market too, right? Yeah. You know, so, not only that – you know, Americans are good guys, and for and the most part, nobody wants to there Unless they get their way and and fundamentally transform, and and the the energy tra- people keep saying the energy transition as if there's actually one one going on, which really annoys the hell out of me. I've, I think I've harped on this before. I it, transition energy all the time. It is ridiculous. I tra- like, I transition like six gallons of of liquid <laughs> energy into forward motion on the way up here today. All right. um, it, it, so it, listen. Let me, let me just say one other thing. Fool, let's not kid ourselves, team. The Biden administration <laughs> is worried, very worried that they're going to lose this argument, and they should be because this 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 idea of, as you said, st- sending out a statement on this, this is not going to cover their butts. Going all the way back full circle to our comment about you know voting yes and voting no and voting yes. There's just too much out there. There are too many watchdogs for, for folks to, to buy into this into this garbage. So nice try. It, 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 let's try a thought experiment before we leave this. Change OPEC to China and see how you like it in, in, a, in a net zero environment. Because that's, that's exactly that's, where we're headed. That's right? where we're heading. That's right. All right. I got, a, I got a clip of the day to close us off unless you've got something else. Yay. Clip of the day. No, I got Ready? That. Yeah. All right. Did you get the vaccine? No. Why? Why didn't you get it? What if you catch COVID? The vaccine doesn't stop you from catching COVID. Why are you being so selfish? What if you catch it and give it to me? But you've been vaccinated. Yeah, but you can still give it to me. What's the vaccine for then? It'll stop you from getting really sick and dying if you catch it. So if I catch it and give it to you, but you've already had the vaccine... It'll still stop you from getting really sick and dying. Exactly. That's why you should get it. That's why I should get it. But you got it already. But if you catch it, you could get sick and die. So by not getting the vaccine, the only person I'm putting at risk is myself of getting sick and dying. No, you're putting me at risk. Didn't you already get the vaccine? So you won't get sick and die (laughs) even if I gave it to you. But you could give it to someone who can't be vaccinated. But so could someone who's been vaccinated because the vaccine doesn't stop you from getting COVID. Just do it, okay? It's the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, <laughs> get vaccinated, everybody. Just do it. It's the right thing. Peace and love. French laundry to everybody. <laughs>